You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, beginning of verse 36. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 24 We'll begin at verse 36, where Jesus says, But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm sure you've had this experience happen. I think all of us have. And that's that unexpected doorbell ring when you are not prepared, your house is not prepared, you look out, you see somebody there at the door and you're thinking, oh no, what do we do? Or you've looked out, you saw a car pulling in the driveway, it's someone that you couldn't just turn away or pretend that you were not home for. And you're going like, oh no, what are we going to do? And you start hurrying around. You, you, you try to get everything set up as best you can. The kitchen's a mess. The, the den is a, is, is a disaster as well. And so you start sharing with everybody else. You clean this up. I'm going to go change clothes real quick. Then when I come out, I'll let them in. You go change clothes. Then you can come up as well. You try to make this up and then you breathe a sigh of relief. You weren't ready for it. That unexpected event that sometimes happen. It's not fun getting caught off guard. That's why I try to call everybody before I come, because none of us like that surprise. Advent. We're in the season of Advent. And that word Advent actually comes from a Latin word that means coming. It's that unexpected coming. Now, we get prepared for it, we prepare for the coming of the Christ child in Advent, but Advent is also about preparing for the second coming of Christ. There are two Advents, and we live in the in-between time. We know of the coming of the Christ child. We will celebrate that through this, this season. But then there's the return of the Christ. 
Now, we talk about that frequently in our creeds and stuff, but seldom do we go really deep into what that means. We will say on a Sunday morning, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. We say that as part of the Apostles' Creed that Jesus is going to return, but what will it be like? Now, in the Gospel according to Matthew, there are two chapters here, chapter 24 and 25, that will deal with the return of Christ. Now, the challenging thing that is often misunderstood is Jesus is not trying to get us to know when he's returning, but rather what do we do to prepare for it? I mean, Jesus clearly says in Matthew 24, verse 36, about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, for some of us, we get just very preoccupied with end times. Are we in the end times? People often will come up to me and go, listening to what's happening in our world today with this and this and this, I believe we're in the end times. Don't you believe we're in the end times? And, and I'll lean over kind of quiet-like and I'll go, we are closer now than we have ever been. Well, it's kind of logical. We're closer today we've ever been, but we're not, we don't know when the end of time will be. What does that even mean when God is setting up the fullness of his kingdom? There are so many people with, with various ideas about what that means. I remember, for example, when I was in college, there was a church not far from where I attended that was so confident that they had pinpointed when Jesus was going to return that they literally, some of them began to sell things that they owned. Why do you need it? Of course, I wondered, why do you need to sell it either? But they began to liquidate some things and then were waiting together because they had nailed the time. And of course, they were wrong. Left Behind series, the Left Behind books that, that many people have read, over 80 million of those have been sold. It's interesting that we, this, this unknown thing, we are just kind of preoccupied with. What does this mean? What will it be like? How will it work? I also find it interesting how many times people will try to determine exactly when it's going to occur by setting up their various maps. You often see pastors and teachers, they'll set up their maps and with this happening and here's the timeline and this and this. So here's when it's going to occur. Even though Jesus clearly said, you won't know the day nor the hour. I don't know Jesus said the day nor the hour. The angels don't know the day nor the hour. Only God. Dr. Douglas Hare, in his commentary on this scripture said, the spiritual arrogance that presumes to pry into God's secret plan is roundly condemned by Matthew 24, 36. Not even the Messiah knows when the end will occur. Not even the highest archangels are privy to the Father's intention. How foolish, he says, it is for humans to think that they can play with the biblical numbers and ambiguous prophecies and discover what was hidden even from Jesus. That's not our job. It's not our role. It's not the point of any of these scriptures for us to try to determine when will Jesus return? When will the second advent occur? It's not our job, not our role. Plus, I find it interesting. So many people are preoccupied with the end of time. And since the day Jesus shared these words, 
every day after, there has been obituaries where somebody died. It was the end of their time. But we're so focused on this final cataclysmic event, this final establishment of the kingdom, that sometimes we miss what Jesus is saying. The focus is on our relationship with God and our preparedness. How are we prepared to receive the Christ child once again as the baby in the manger, the Savior that came and took on human flesh? And how are we prepared to receive Christ again in the second advent when Christ returns? From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Jesus, in telling the story, he says it'll be similar to the days of Noah. And he's not talking about all the sin and evil in the times of Noah. What he's saying is people were going on with their lives. They were living their lives as if nothing were happening. They were minding their own business. They were doing their own things, but they were not paying attention to their spiritual lives. They were not paying attention to the relationship with God. They were not paying attention to who God had called them to be. And as a result, when Noah shut up the doors of the ark and the floods came, they were not prepared. Jesus also said there's two people that are in a field and all of a sudden one is taken, the other is left behind. There are two women, he said, grinding meal. One will be taken, the other one's left behind. That always scared me to death, by the way, when I was a kid. I didn't like these scriptures. And when I heard them preached, or when we would see those movies sometimes that would be shown about it, it was like they were designed to kind of scare me. The time is coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I found that horrifying. What's interesting is the Greek word paralambano, which rather than taken, although it can mean taken with, that word actually means to receive. Now think about the difference here. Two people are in the field, one was received. Two people are grinding meal, one was received. I mean, the point was it wasn't designed, this statement was not intended when Jesus said it to be a horror event. All of a sudden, one's taken, like, boom, they're gone. Where did they go? But one was received, received into the loving arms of a God who so loved the world as God set up the fullness of his kingdom. The challenge then is, again, to be prepared because we don't know exactly when the fullness of God's kingdom will be established, when the Christ will return, when will be the second advent. To make the point even more clear than Jesus said, if someone is the owner of a home, if they knew exactly when the thief was going to come and break into their home, they would have been ready for it. It's like some of the movies where it would have been dark and somebody breaks in, all of a sudden the light comes on, there you'd be with the deputy sheriffs around, gotcha. But that's not the point. Jesus said, if you don't know when that's going to happen, you have to be vigilant at all times to be prepared. Jesus is trying to share with the church, he's trying to share with the disciples, our task is to be vigilant. Well, 
what does that mean and what does that even look like? Well, what God was looking for from us, as we've shared so many times, was not religion as much as relationship. So to be vigilant means how are we taking care of our relationship with God when we're living in this in-between time, we've received the gift of the Christ child, we know the story of Christmas, now we're preparing for the return or the time when we will stand before God ourselves, what are we doing while we nurture that relationship? And one of the things that I learned as I got older is this shouldn't be a scary thought, shouldn't be a scary sermon in any way whatsoever, because the God who's returning or the God that we will be standing before someday is the very one that Jesus also tells us so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, think about that for a little bit. The good news is that the one who's returning is the one we can't wait to see because this is one who loved us enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice and give his own life for us. I mean, we're normally excited to see people we love and people who love us. When I was in seminary, for example, I would often spend like four days in Atlanta while my wife Nancy was at home in Cherokee, North Carolina, Whittier, North Carolina, just outside of Cherokee, up in the mountains. And I loved when I got home, she was glad to see me. I was glad to see her. We were excited. Now, the only reason that a spouse may not be glad to see the other one coming home is if there's something to hide. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. This is a time for us to be prepared to make sure there's nothing between us and God, but that we're ready to receive this relationship and to experience the embrace. We're excited to see our kids and our family I remember we took our daughter to college that very first day. I mean, I'll be honest, I cried like a baby all the way home. It was difficult for me. I'd always been the one that could protect and care for. Now I'm going to be four hours away. It was difficult. That first time she came home from school, oh, and you pull in the driveway. I mean, you kind of hear, hey, I'm almost there. And, and you're waiting. And when you hear the garage door go up, you go outside. When they get out of the car, big embrace. Because when we love someone and we're loved by someone, it's a joy. I'll never forget when our son was returning home after having been deployed in Afghanistan. And Nancy and I were standing there at the bottom of the escalator and stairwell coming out from the airport. And we kept watching. We knew the plane had landed. We knew he should be there any time. And when you see your kid at the top and now making his way to you, and as soon as they step off, you want that embrace. It should be a positive thing when we love someone and we're loved by them, to experience them again is not a horrific event, but one of the most joyous events in your life. So the challenging thing then in this relationship 
is to continue to nurture it, to continue to grow in our faith and continue to grow in our discipleship and continue to grow in the relationship with conversation with God, which we call prayer. And spend that time together to where there's an intimacy there so that when Christ returns or when we go to meet Him, we're prepared for the embrace. Two are in the field one is received. Two are grinding mill. One is received. It's an embrace. Now, the challenging thing is, is that Jesus seems to have been delayed. We're not really sure whether Matthew expected Jesus to return during his lifetime. It's pretty clear that the people in his church did. And when we read the Apostle Paul, it seems that Paul really believed until the very end of his ministry that Jesus would return during his lifetime. So that delay has thrown us a little bit. So why is Jesus delayed in the second advent? Well, if you look at verse 14, Matthew 24, verse 14, the Scripture says, And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. See, part of the role, too, and this delay, is to give time for the gospel to spread to all the world. And that word gospel means good news. Again, not horrific news, not a threat, but to hear this good news of who God is and how much God loves you and me and to be prepared for it. Again, Dr. Douglas Hare continues and says, Matthew regarded the delay as a time of grace. God was postponing the last judgment so that many more might have the chance to hear and accept the gospel. It was a time for worldwide evangelism, for the church to share this good news so that everybody is ready to be received into this embrace. We hear it in 2 Peter chapter 3, for example, verse 8, when Peter writes, But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord, he said, is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, Eugene Peterson, the biblical scholar who paraphrases the scripture and what we refer to as the message, he paraphrases 2 Peter 3, 8 this way. He said, God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. So what is our purpose? To be ready ourselves, to build that relationship, to nurture it? Are we prepared, as the scout motto would tell us? But also to share the good news. You might remember when Luke tells us, when he writes the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, he's telling us about Jesus right before he ascends into heaven, 
speaking to the church and to the disciples. And in Acts 1, verse 6, 6 through 8, he says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He, meaning Jesus, replied, It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. How many times do we have to hear Jesus tell us that? It's not about the when. But listen to what he says. He keeps going and said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Did you catch that context? Because we have a tendency to pull out verse 8, you'll receive power, you'll be my witnesses. But what Jesus says is, it's not for you to know the day nor the hour, but here's what's important for you to know. You're to be my witnesses. We just heard the reason for the second advent delay is because he's waiting for us to be his witnesses and make sure as many people in the world as possible hear this good news so they too can be received into the embrace of God. It's Advent. We celebrate once again the coming of the Christ child. We love the stories of Christmas. We love the songs of Christmas. We love live nativities. We love the baby in the manger. It's also a time for the second advent and for us to be prepared, nurturing that relationship, making sure there's nothing standing between us and our God so that when he returns or when we go to him, we are ready to be received into the embrace. And Jesus said, it's also a time for us, his church, to make sure others are ready to be received and to the embrace and hear this good news as well. So I invite and encourage you to look at your relationship. Are we ready to be received into the embrace of God? But then as we go through this Advent season, this is a time when people are especially ready to think about their relationship with God, this is a great time for you and for me to be the church, to share the good news, to invite people to join us as we come together as the church, to celebrate whether it's through the singing of songs of praise at concerts and gatherings, or whether it's to hear the children sing, or whether it's to join us for Christmas Eve as we worship our God. However it may be, this is a great opportunity for you to look to someone you love and invite them to be ready to be embraced by God who so loved the world he would take on human form and be born as a baby laid in a manger because he so loves you, me, and the rest of the world. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we are grateful for the second advent. It's not meant to be terrifying you receive us into your embrace when we're ready to receive you 
you love us and we desperately love you. And God, you, lo you love the whole world and you call us now as the church to share this good news with the world so that you can embrace everyone. You're not willing that any should perish and neither should we. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.